0: Welcome to the Paywall Podcast, where we discuss paywalls and paywall strategies. We will talk with some of the publishers that we work with at Zine 101, the things that work and the things that don't. There's so many amazing things you can do in the digital world as a publisher to not only increase your digital subscriptions, but also engage your audience. Let's get started.
1: My name is Peter Erickson. Uh, most people call me Pete. I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Zine 101. Uh, we uh, create a, uh, we built a paywall, metered paywall for WordPress called Leaky Paywall, which um, has been in action for about four years. I am with uh, Jeremy Green, who's our lead developer for Leaky Paywall here and also with uh, Tyler Channel. And uh, Tyler has joined us recently and is running support but also runs his own uh, business for supporting news publishers in uh, the West Virginia and outlying regions, I would say, uh, and uh, has had a lot of success with it. So the three of us decided that it might be fun to get together and talk about all the cool things Uh, that are and all the the positive things that are happening with uh, publishers that are starting up paywalls Um, and so our topic for today is why have a paywall so I'll just jump in a little bit up front and say that when we started in dealing with publishers about 10 years ago uh, with our first product which is called issue M uh, which is a web issue publisher for WordPress and that opened the doors to a lot of publishers uh, we then essentially got hired to build a paywall. And at the time, this was maybe five years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember tracking what the New York Times was doing because they were having a lot of success with uh, what they called at the time a metered paywall. So the before the, you know, before five years ago, uh, most Publishers and membership sites and content producers were putting up what you would call the hard paywalls. They were deciding what content to lock down and what content to open up and then taking taking on memberships. And so what the New York Times realized is that the problem with the hard paywall is you're blocking Google search and you're blocking social sharing. um, That's really two big uh, uh, deal killers for them. And so they created uh, their metered paywall. And the, at the time, I think five years ago, they were offering 20 free articles uh, per month as the uh, sort of the free don't have to register or do anything. And then after 20 articles, you, you would need to pay to get full access. And that started taking off. They hit their um, one million mark as far as subscribers go. I think it was maybe a couple of years later pretty quickly. And, and I read a, a recent headline uh, in the past week. That says the New York Times tops five million uh, sub- subscriptions as ads decline, uh, and I think that's pretty amazing because I, I remember thinking, geez, I, they I think they're over three million now. <laughs> when I went digging, I was like, wait a second, they're over five million now. That's that's incredible. <laughs> um, so um, so here we are talking about why why have a uh, a paywall and um, uh, you know for. I think for anyone who's looking at, who's producing content, really of any kind, whether you're being a news publisher or a, a magazine publisher, if there's content on the web that's valuable to your community, um, subscribers will pay for access. It's become very clear. And We've, we, you know, in five years, we've seen, uh, we've seen publishers uh, start with a paywall really from zero. And... Uh, Remember, uh, modern drummer magazine, when we launched them three years ago, maybe, uh, they had, more than that. they had, uh, their content, uh, was really available as a PDF. Their magazines available as a PDF purchase it really had very little traction on it. And when we launched, uh, I remember we launched the site for them. We had put all their magazine articles in this web issue format, um, so they, they were getting Google traction and social media sharing traction. And in two weeks, they they signed up 900 paying subscribers. And I know today that they're still getting, you know, double digit subscriptions every day as far as paid subscribers go. It's been a pretty amazing ride. So the thing that um, I think it's really important is for any publisher to realize is that if you're starting to lean on digital ad revenue, you're probably already seeing that it's not paying the bills. And digital subscriptions is one of the answers to, okay, well, if print is declining and print ad revenue is declining. And we have a website here. Um, now, absolutely, is the time to make sure that website is publishing content the way you want it to publish and then ask for uh for payments. Um, Now, there's also kind of a big debate on uh, whether uh, news publishers in particular uh, take uh, subscription payments or donation payments, and I don't think anybody's really landed on what the right model is, and I think each community probably has a slightly different model, Um, uh, and that's Publishing content. Um, I mean, there are a lot, of, a lot of ways to do it. You publish the content on your website, take a subscription or ask for a donation, uh, publish content in a paid newsletter or and just uh, require a, a payment to subscribe to that newsletter or publish a free newsletter and ask for donations. And uh, as far as uh, local regional news coverage, you know, all these models work and, you um, and they do, uh, with recurring income, produce that nice, stable income stream that you will grow over time as you produce more and more quality content for your, your audience.
2: Yeah, I feel like that's, that's one of the things that a lot of regional news outlets, you know, they, they struggle with, you know, well, we're more of a public service. We don't want to have to charge people. And um you know and have for years relied upon on digital or not digital but just ad revenue from their print product um and their circulation um is you know that doesn't really make any money for them that's just sort of a cost it all it offsets the cost for them so um mm-hmm. and and those who have tried uh at least the ones that i've worked with have you know gone with a, a membership style where they charge five, 10, $15 a month. And, um, you know, it it works, it works for them, even in, even in markets where there's like 2,500 people. Um, and I, I tell people that all the time. I'm like, you know, I get pushed back because they read a They read a headline from the New York times and they're like, ah, 5 million subscriptions. That's great. But I'm, I'm in like, you know, a town of 2,500 people, there's no way on earth that that would ever work, especially given, you know, the internet challenges in a in a state like West Virginia. And, you know, that's really not a problem. I mean, people subscribe not just in West Virginia, but they subscribe across the country. And mm. um, it, it actually works. I mean, I had a client who got um, the Welch News down in McDowell County, West, West Virginia, and you know, they, they, within a matter of 10 days of going live, this was about, you know, a month before the coronavirus, you know, hit, mm. uh, they saw 100 new paying subscribers. So, I mean, mm. in a market of 2,500 people, <laughs> that's not bad.
1: Yep. And what was their, so, what was their, what was their subscription income, digital subscription income prior to that?
2: Uh, zero. So the same day that, I launched their website. We launched the paywall. So there was, you know, uh, Hmm. all of that was done in tandem. So,
0: Mm. yep. And I think one of the reasons why it's the paywall is working now um, is because people are so used to kind of the subscription model of getting um, anything really these days from, you know, Netflix to Amazon. Um, We've just been kind of conditioned to that's just the way that the world works now. Um, So I think it's a it's a good time as far as that's concerned, too, you know, because a lot of people, you know, previously um, have been, you know, why should I pay for why should I pay for news digitally? Um, You know, everything should be free online. And I think that mindset shifting, you know, with everything going on in the world of, you know, quality content is worth paying for. Um, And I think people are starting to get that in their their, you know showing that with their pocketbook whenever they pay for those digital subscriptions. So just the fact that they're going up shows that people are starting to think that way.
2: Yeah. And I think it's always hard too. like, uh, in many ways the news industry sort of set this precedent that, you know, we're going to put all of our content online for free. And then when the, when the, the ad revenue wasn't there, <laughs> you know, it, it can sometimes be difficult to convince people that they need to pay for this content now when they were otherwise getting it for free for all these years. So, uh, I think you're right. I mean, it's now that there's information everywhere. Um, it's, uh, if you're paying for the content, uh, it's more than likely uh, going to be of more value. Uh, hopefully, at least hopefully it's accurate content if you're paying for it. So,
1: yeah, uh, that's, yeah. yeah, I think, I think that, uh, especially for local regional news publishers, you know, um, they have they have a bit of a monopoly in their area. And, you know, if, if you're if you're producing, if you're the number one producer of local content and communities want to know what's going on, they have nowhere else to go, they will pay you. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. Some people what I hear sometimes is, oh, well, the New York Times, they're like a special animal. Right, like they're the New York <laughs> Times. They got branding. They got all this. Yeah, of course they're doing well because they're the the number one, you know, national newspaper or or whatever. Right, and but I, I think that's just completely that that's missing the whole point. You know, like I'm I'm looking at a chart again from this week that shows back in 2008 their their um their ad revenue was twice their subscription revenue. Right. I mean, think about it. Advertising, 2008—that's 12 years ago. Uh, still, you know, we're in the digital age. You know, pretty modern digital age. Um, and yeah, and their ad revenue was was twice their subscription revenue. And then you you go uh, walk forward to 2012, and their ad revenue is about uh, the same as their subscription revenue. And then their numbers for for last year for 2019, they their Subscription revenue is now almost twice their ad revenue, so even a monster like the New York Times is seeing their ad revenue just get crunched. It's it's a a quarter of where it used to be back twelve twelve years ago, and their subscriptions have have been growing. I, would, I wouldn't say explosively, but steadily, and uh, and so they've they've hit that mark because you know so they are they are arguably the number 1 in their niche, right? National News. And if you look at, you know, Wall Street Journal is another big one, they're probably number 2, uh, I would say. And then who's number 3? I have no idea, you know, who the rest are. But they're and they're all competing, right? They all want subscriptions, but the problem is is you know, to get the subscription, you kind of do want to be the number 1 in your niche, you know. So you, and 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 that's that's when things start to click. So Uh, yeah, for, for local regional news publishers, you have a monopoly, you have the ability to absolutely uh, take subscriptions or donations. Uh, People will, will pay you. And uh, you know, if you're a magazine publisher and you and you have a niche, which you, um, you know, are at the top with again, same, it's the same equation. People will pay you. And, you know, let me just keep, keep rolling here. You know, when you look at ad revenue, digital ad revenue. There's just so many things working against the publisher today. You have Facebook and Google are, I think they're claiming 90% of the ad revenue today. You know, so it's, you know, it's just changed completely from Google introduced paid search and then Facebook with all the demographic targeting. You know, it's it's a very, very tough uh, to compete against it. Although in a later episode, we can talk about sponsored advertising if we want and, and, of the, the goodness that's happening there. But, you know, today it's like, how many ad blockers are people running? You have, you have 40% of uh, readers that have installed ad blockers. So they don't even see, see the ads. And then there's ad fraud. I mean, I mean I, it, the ad fraud is so rampant. Nobody can agree, but everyone agrees that it's just rampant, you know, that, that the publisher is getting, if they're lucky, they're getting 30%, you know, the dollar spent uh, uh, in ad revenue. And then they don't, they don't, you know the the robot clicks are are off the charts and very hard to to know exactly what they are. So um, the the unfortunately the digital ad game is I I think kind of done. You know the display ads they don't do well on mobile. You know we're all on phones. we you if you look at your Google Analytics you're probably tracking seventy percent of your audiences on their phone. How do you squeeze ads just these big fat display ads onto your phone? It just doesn't you know. You you can interrupt, and we you know we we with our app platform that connects to Leaky Paywall we we've done uh, tests with interstitials uh, in the uh, in the apps where you go from one article to the next and it loads up an ad like a like a, an interstitial is sort of a full screen ad shows up you have to look at it for a couple seconds and then it goes away or you have to tap it to go away or whatever it's called an interstitial, and the the aggressive publishers that went for this they just bailed because their readers just said no way this is garbage we don't want this
0: mm-hmm. well, I think people too like for me you know I subscribe to Hulu for content and I pay the extra fee every month to not have commercials right but, you know the I want to get rid of as many ads in front of my face as possible and just get to the content so for me it's worth you know the extra dollars um, to, to remove the ads. I think that's a great strategy for a
1: publisher. I think, you know, you could you could easily do that with with our software. I'm sure with others too. But you you you, uh, you create a, a premium subscription level, five bucks a month, ten bucks a month. I've seen fifteen bucks a month for local news publishers, uh, magazine publishers, probably in the same ballpark, um, and create a premium level that's like one or two dollars per month higher, and it wipes all the ads off the site that's a big revenue gain.
2: When you guys were talking about this, it was making me think about um, you're talking about the ads. Um, uh, When when Google introduced this whole idea of like looking at a survey and like, you know, inputting data and then (laughs) and then showing you content. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I was just sitting here thinking about like how ridiculous that sounds to to give, you know, to give that information to Google and let them make the decision on how much money they'll pay you for the content that you're producing on your site. <laughs> right. uh, and just the whole ecosystem of, 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 Google and Facebook and and the digital uh, ad space and the way that they uh, uh, sort of, uh, the way ads are are tracking uh, uh, with cookies and stuff like that—just so many ethical and moral dilemmas uh, that you can get yourself into when you start thinking about the ways in which they run those uh, those systems.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I I I've, I think I've heard of those uh, <laughs> approaches before. I think the the biggest issue for me is time, because you know, we live in a world where time is the biggest challenge uh, amongst us. And if you're forcing readers to spend time to do something, to access one article, they probably won't even do it, right? Unless they're super motivated. And I think that's also the problem with one-time payments for like an article. You know, it takes takes too much time to drop in a credit card and get through the whole transaction process when you just want to read one, you know, thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. I know that, you know, payment systems, you know, uh, cryptocurrency, but, but, you know, like payment systems where you can pay a nickel for things. I mean, they're, those, those are an active development. The problem is, is they have to become popular, like ubiquitous, like the credit cards. Everyone has to have it. Uh, that's the big challenge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I've seen a tr- uh, pretty big trend lately, too, with the ad blocker, um, where if you go to a news site, um, you know, they'll notice you have an ad blocker and not let you view the content unless you turn it off right. or subscribe. And, right. you know, for me personally, 90 percent of the time, it's not even worth it. And so I just leave. Right. Um, right. So, you know, figuring out a different uh, different method there, uh, you know, is, yeah. is an important
1: yeah, because it takes too—it literally takes too much time to turn off your ad blocker and refresh right. the page. Yeah, we're just yep. in such a hurry these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about ad blocker strategy at some point.
0: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I did want to touch on uh, something you were mentioning uh, a little bit earlier. You know, going back to the the main question: why have a paywall, um, and and niches, and how that relates to having a paywall. Because we have seen some sites where a paywall didn't really work, um, and you know m- the number one reason being that the content was too general. If it's content you can find mm. anywhere else for free, right? Um, then you know there's not a lot of motion motivation for someone to pay for it. Um, so do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think that's why like USA Today and and other smaller national publications are really struggling uh, with subscriptions cause they, you know, you, you, you can find, uh, information about, you know, politics or, you know, what's going on in, in the world or, or sort of the, the bigger news of, of the country, you know, there, there's just so much of it out there that, okay, well, why, why would I give your, my money to, to you when I can wait, when I can get this for free. And I think that's ultimately the really big challenge with the, with the more, the smaller national publishers. And, you know, I I remember reading a book on, uh, I think it was a seven immutable or 21 immutable laws of marketing or something like that. And this is, this was a, it's an old book. It's a great book if if anybody's into um, marketing. And one of the laws is that there can only be one or two major players in any given industry with a few exceptions. So like when you look at, you know, Coke, Pepsi, Right. You know, you got a major player, you got a second player, and then who's left, right? A bunch of smaller players. <clears throat> you know, you have uh, Hertz, Avis, right? The two biggest players. Um, and so, and the reason we, <clears throat> excuse me, have this is because psychologically, our brains can only really hold sort of that number one position in our heads. Like, oh, this company does that, right? And that they must, they're like the best at that. And then a number two, you, we can, our brain has enough room to maybe remember a number two, but you get to number three and four and five and the top ten, forget it. You know, you, so with publishing, it's the, sa- it's the same thing. You have New York Times, you have Wall Street Journal. Then I don't know who's third. Do you guys know who's number three? I have no idea. Right? Yeah. And so and and now combined with the fact that you can get you know this the the news everywhere, it's 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 a it's tough, you know. If 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 I were USA today, I probably look hard at figuring out how I could produce unique content for USA today. That's um that is just different, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that is, what that niche is, but there's probably one there that they could really dial into somewhere.
0: Yep. And I think there's a lot of room too. Um, you know, you have your big markets, but then when you start to niche down into smaller markets, I think that's where the opportunity really lies because you can be so niche, like with local publishing. If you're the only one writing content about your local area or even a specific topic, um, you know, we have lots of uh, lots of magazines that are very, very niche. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they might only have, you know, 5000 subscribers, but those 5000 subscribers are very uh, committed to that particular niche. Um, you know, so it's kind of that idea of like the 1000 true fans. Sometimes yeah. that's all you need yeah. uh, to have a, pub, you know, a profitable publishing company. You know, it's not going to be the size of some national players, but it can still be, uh, still make a good revenue stream. So I have a friend and this is like
1: sort of, uh, it's a great point and it dovetails in what Tyler said too, about being in a small market. So I live in a small market. Um, I'm up in New Hampshire, Nowheresville, New Hampshire, and I have a friend who started a a newsletter. It's free. You can donate, but um, and he only he started a year ago, and he 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 assembles the news from from the colleges and the the local newspaper and Reddit and Facebook and all the groups that are out there, listserves and things like that. He's got six thousand subscribers now, you know, <laughs> six thousand, right? Like mm-hmm. in a year, in a very small area so you know yeah focus focus on that niche and uh I, I agree a thousand percent and if you do a good job with it people will follow you and then they'll, and they'll pay you also it
2: reminds me of you know i've talked to
1: publishers who are like you know
2: well can you can you get me like you know half a million views or a million views a month or something and um you know really the the trick here is is not so much views it's like how about like a thousand or two thousand subscribers paying you five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty dollars a month? Right. You know that's that's really the goal. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's exactly yeah. right. So. Yeah. So and we should absolutely talk about how to bring those subscribers on. What we've seen works. Yeah. In future episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The thing that I think is so cool is you can use a paywall to generate email leads rather than a pop-up to generate email leads. Now pop-ups work. You know, you put a a MailChimp pop-up in front of somebody and say, join our newsletter. it, It works. Absolutely. Do people hate them? Yeah. Uh, but they work. Um, but with a paywall, you can set up a free registration level, which entices people to drop off their email address in a very organic relationship building way where now you're being the good guy as a publisher. And, uh, And building your email list which is good for for converting paid subscribers and you get the added benefit of getting advertisers to sponsor your your bigger email list so that's our wrap on why have a paywall we're going to keep talking about uh, paywalls and paywall strategies and we'll talk about some of the publishers that we work with uh, that uh, things that work, things that didn't work uh, down the road. There's so much to talk about, and, there, and what's really cool is there are so many amazing things you can do in the digital world as a publisher to not only increase your paid subscriptions, but to uh, engage your audience better, build your and build your email lists. And those are those are some there's some big wins uh, available to you out there
0: um, that are already happening, and we're going to talk about them. Thanks for listening to the Paywall Podcast. You can find us at paywallpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe in your podcast player of choice, and we'll see you next episode.